This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. And, you know, when we talk about living long, what does that mean to us? Long life. It's a promise of God, in case you don't know it, living a long life and prospering. What does that mean to us? And really, when you ask Christians, it means that you're going to have to be fed. You're going to have to be helped. You're not going to have any memory now. You might have some long-term memory, but no short-term memory. You're going to have to be assisted. Someone's going to have to look after you and care for you, maybe feed you, what, whatever. But I want you to know, that's not what God says long life is. That's not the Bible definition of long life. Long life, according to God, looks completely different from that. But when you look at the world, the culture, that's what it speaks of. But what does it mean to God? What does it mean uh, scripturally? What does it speak to us? And we need to have this truth. Because I'm, I'm telling you, this truth is not ministered, it's not preached, it's not talked about much in the earth. But God wants us to live a long life. He wants us to prosper. He wants us to be uh, like Him. He wants His children to be blessed. Now if you're a father or mother, you want your child blessed. It never changes. You want them to have the best. You want them looked after. But sometimes we don't recognize that God's a better parent than we are. And God wants us blessed. God wants us to have the best. And long life is one of those, those things that he wants us to have. And when you think about long life, you know, that includes protection. Because in our day and time, that's the big, that's the big thing is protection. Because it doesn't matter where you're at, something could happen. Because now it's the norm, and when I watch the news, I hear, I can't believe it happened here. That's the norm. That's what you hear all the time. But to live a long life, you've got to have some protection. You've got to have God's intervention to protect you and keep you safe. And that's what I love about Psalms 91. We had our, our boys... Rob and Joshua memorized Psalms 91. How'd you do that, Pastor? I paid them. <laughs> I did. Let's pay them. You memorize this, you get paid. You get blessed for learning scriptures. It's payday when you. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and those, that Psalms 91 is full of provision. Full of protection. And it's a picture of our covenant. It's the blessing of the Lord. It's, a, it's people who believe God, trust in God, loving God. It is a picture of the blessing of the Lord upon someone that will believe Him. That's what Psalms 91 is. I'm, I'm reminded, uh, I love this, this story, Corey Tim Boone. Uh, you've heard me mention her. She's the one that wrote The Hiding Place. Her and her family hid Jews uh, when the Nazis were coming and killing Jews. She 
her family hid Jews and she went to a concentration camp. You can uh, get the book. But she tells about uh, during World War II, there was an Englishman that was taken captive and he was put in a German prison and he was watching people die beside him and all around him. Saw many people, uh, their life taken. And they had a Bible hidden. He was reading Psalms 91. And he, he cried out to God. He said, Father, am I going to die? This, this Bible, this, this verse says I can live a long life. I'm on, am I going to die? I want to serve you. I want to live for you. I want to do things for you. And the Lord spoke to him and says, rely on what you just read. Believe what you just read. So he gets up. He's in his uh, barrack there. And he gets up and he walks out the front door. And, of course, there's a, a guard out there. Says, prisoner, where are you going? And he said, I'm under the protection of the Most High. This guard immediately stands to attention and salutes him. He continues his walk. He walks to the guard station that you enter and leave or leave the prison. He walks there, and there's a whole group of guards there. And of course, they say, prisoner, what are you doing? What are you doing here? He said, I'm under the protection of the Most High. They all stood to attention and saluted, opened the gate, the door for him to go through. Now see, the Most High to them meant Hitler. He walked out of prison, walked through the German uh, countryside, back to England. They, he was the only one from that prison that came out alive. And he told this story. He said, how did you do this? I just, I was quoting Psalms 91 and just walked out. <laughs> we... We need to have faith in what God says. There's many stories about Psalms 91. Jimmy Stewart, um, It's a Wonderful Life, my favorite movie. An actor, he, he, became, he was a pilot. He goes to World War II and uh, he's going to fight. And his dad, his family, believers, loved the Lord. Very patriotic. His dad served in the military. His grandfather did. And he went to, uh, to leave. And his dad was overcome with emotion. Couldn't even speak to him. But he, he wrote him a, a, a note, a letter. And because he, he thought that might happen. And Jimmy Stewart, he, he read it. And... And his dad is, is talking to him and says, I'm believing and praying for your protection, son. And said, we're standing on Psalms 91. And he had the scripture, Psalms 91, he placed in his pocket every day that he was doing missions and, and, and over there in the war, he 
carried with them Psalms 91 and would confess his faith in Psalms 91. I even have it on me, and I believe. What happened to him? He came home a hero decorated, flew in such dangerous missions, but never touched, came home. Psalms 91, I'm telling you, it's a day for it. If you're a warrior, it's a great day for you. If you're highly developed, and many are. I mean, if you're not worried about it, they're worried for you not being worried about it. And there's so many different options today. If you're a warrior, it's, even though it's contrary to Scripture, it said, don't worry. Don't be afraid. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. We have to keep our eyes on the Lord. We have to look to Him. So I, I want to uh, start this morning with Psalms 91, verse 14. And this is God speaking. And this whole psalm is, is just tremendous. But at verse 14, Because He has set His love upon me, therefore I will deliver Him. And I will set him on high, because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. You set your love upon the Lord. Doesn't mean that you're perfect. You set your love upon him. You're releasing your faith. You're trusting him, walking with him. He said, he'll deliver you. Say, he will deliver me. Even in times of trouble, he will deliver me. It's, it's one thing, you got to personalize. Take this, uh, make it your own. At the beginning of this, in the first uh, couple of verses, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most I got. Dwelling, it means you're remaining. You're not coming just for a visit. You're in relationship and you're staying. You're, it's not just a, a little, bit, uh, little bit of habitation. You know, it's just a vacation time with God. No, it's talking about dwelling, remaining, abiding. It, it, it means that uh, you're not coming for a visit. You have packed up and moved and this is my permanent residence. I'm walking with God. You've got to make a commitment. You've got to choose this. You've got to be intentional and say, I'm going with you, God, no matter what. Those are the ones that qualify for this blessing. It said, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, and my deliverer, my God in whom I trust. It says, I will say. It didn't say, I will think about. It says, I will say. You've got to say some things. You've got to open your mouth and say it. It's something about the power of words when you say some things. Something is released when you say, He is my refuge, my fortress, and my God. He's my refuge. He's my fortress and my God in whom I trust. It's power released when you get that on the inside of you. It changes things. It's like the uh, testimony I heard. It was a big uh, Harley Davidson type guy. I mean, this guy was like 
brute, you know, and he had a little different uh, way of witnessing to his fellow or his ex-gang members and stuff. And he was, I mean, he would just come boldly. I mean, he would straddle your bike and say, I'm going to tell you about Jesus. I don't recommend this. Now, unless you're, you're called to this. But, I mean, he literally, they're all gunning their engines, and he comes at a, a, a red light and just walks out and straddles those guys, uh, Harley and everything, and he's shaking, you will, and he's gunning it. He said, you will be a believer. He became a believer. I mean, the same guy had a guy just put a gun in his face and said, I've had enough of you. He said, go ahead, shoot, please shoot, do me a favor, I'll go straight to heaven. The guy crumbled, crying, got in the fetal position and said, I didn't know this stuff was real. How can I be saved? I need Jesus. I don't recommend that. Now, lest the Lord, uh, never mind. <laughs> never mind. We, we need to get this. Okay. Show my salvation. And we know salvation is more than just getting to heaven. Let me tell you. You know, we, in the forever series talking about heaven, if it was just heaven we had, that's enough. But he wants you to have a satisfied life. A satisfied life. It's one thing to have long life and be miserable. It's one thing to have long life and be broke. And disgusted. And depressed and oppressed. He said to be satisfied. You can have the satisfied life. That's what he promises to us. And when you have the satisfied life, you become an example. You become someone that others can look to. And say, there's one of them. They walk in peace. Even when they mess up, they come and ask forgiveness. There's something different about them. I need to hear about that Jesus. <laughs> That's what we need to be. That's what we're called to be. That's when you're doing some good fishing. When you're the example. Hebrew here for long life means lengthening or prolonged. God will cause her life to be long. He wants your days to be long. In Proverbs 9 verse 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years of life will be added to you. It says that your days can be multiplied. You can have days added to you. How? The fear of the Lord. You need wisdom. If God says it, that's the final authority. That has to be the final authority for us. And if I'm not lined up with what he says, then I need to make some adjustments called repent, changing my mind, changing my direction, and go his way. And it says that days will be multiply. I'll add. There'll be some addition. There'll be some increase to the days of my life. Well, why do I need that? Because 
Think about this. Everything's paid off. And you're able to sponsor a thousand kids. Think about the blessing that you can be. Think about the wisdom that you should have. Think about the scriptures and the understanding and the walking with God and, and flowing with His Spirit that should be in your life. What an influence and impact that you can make for the kingdom of God. God wants us to live long on this earth for Him. That we can be a blessing for the kingdom of God. Proverbs 10, 29, The fear of the Lord prolongs days. But the years of the wicked would be shortened. Ephesians 6 verse 2. Honor your father and mother. Which is the first commandment of promise. That may be well with you. And you may live long on the earth. It didn't say honor them if they're honorable. It says to honor them. It didn't say as long as you're in their household, even when you move out, you're to honor them. It says then, it's a promise, things will be well with you, you may live long on the earth. We need to do things God's way. We need to listen to what he says. But this is where most Christians are at. They believe this is a promise from God. Psalms 90 verse 10. The days of our lives are 70 years. And if by reason of strength they are 80 years. Yet their boast is only labor and sorrow. For it, was soon, it is soon cut off and we fly away. I can't tell you how many funerals I've been to. I've heard this verse. I, I can't tell you how well developed people are in this verse. Preachers have taught it and ministered to it uh, about this. The lifespan uh, in America is right 78 years. So it falls within this. Sounds like a promise. But actually, this was a curse. God pronounced a curse. And that's what this is. So we could say the population of America is living under the curse. Because they're dying within this time span that is really a curse pronounced by Moses against the children of Israel in the wilderness. It says they were murmuring and complaining. It said, it'd been better if we stayed in Egypt. I'd rather have died in Egypt than be, be out here in the wilderness. You remember the story? And it goes on and on and on. They complain, they complain, they murmur. Until finally God says, enough. I'm going to give them what they asked for. And they died in the wilderness. And this is their lifespan, 70 to 80 years. Those 20 and less, uh, 20 and above, That they were cut off. They could not enter into the promised land because of the murmuring and complaining. God didn't, and that can speak to us today, amen? Any murmuring, complaining, we've all done it. So just 
don't say anything. <laughs> but we don't need to be there. We need to realize that we have a God who loves us. So everyone 20 and above that murmured against God, all the rebellious, disobedient, died prematurely. And that's what this talks about. 70 to 80 years. But it didn't happen to Moses. didn't happen to Aaron or Joshua. Moses lived 120 years. Aaron 123. Joshua 110. Now let me read this first and then context. In Psalms 90, I'm going to start at verse 7. Now we just read verse 10. I'm going to start at verse 7. Let me read this to you. For we've been consumed by your anger and by your wrath. We are terrified. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. For all of our days have passed away in your wrath. We finished our years like a sigh. The days of our lives are 70 years. And if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow. For it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. Does that sound like a blessing to you? That's not a blessing. And that's what most Christians have their faith on. A curse. And we know we've been redeemed from the curse. We've been set free from that. But these died prematurely. You know, in the Old Testament, God had to deal with sin. And he judged it. There was wrath. He had to do some things to get his righteous seed into the earth. And, and some um, things were judged. But see, in the New Covenant, it says that we are redeemed from the curse. Because he was a curse for us. That the blessing of Abraham would come upon us. The blessing is now ours. And you find in uh, Isaiah 53, it talks about the cross. It talks about um, he bore our iniquities. He took our shame. He took our guilt. He took our sickness, our disease. He took the curse for us. He dealt with sin at the cross. Well, what's, what's the problem today? All this is going on. Your problem's not God. He's the answer. The problem is sin. The problem is we turn from God. What's wrong with America? We turn from God. We're saying, God, you don't know what you're talking about. We, we don't agree with you that it should be one male and one woman being married. We disagree. And you must be wrong, God, because our Supreme Court agreed. You're asking for trouble when you go against God. Doesn't mean that we don't love all people. We do. But we're to stand for the truth in love. And we have to rise up and be those people that speak the truth in the love of God. Because we truly do love all people. And we want God's grace and His mercy to be received by them. 
So you have Isaiah, Isaiah 53, the description of the cross, but guess what comes after Isaiah 53? Let me help you. Say Isaiah 54. You're brilliant. Let me read to you from Isaiah 54 because it speaks to our covenant today after the cross. Verse 7, For a mere moment I have forsaken you, but with great mercies I will gather you. With a little wrath I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have mercy on you, says the Lord your Redeemer. For this is like the waters of Noah to me, for as I have sworn that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth, so I, God, I sworn that I would not be angry with you nor rebuke you. God has sworn that he will not be angry with you or rebuke you. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has mercy on you. And every time I, I, I minister along this line, someone will tell me, Pastor, you're giving people a license to sin. If God is not angry with us and rebuking us, He's forgiving us of our sins. No, people sin without a license. They don't need a license. The truth is, when you see how much Father loves us and you, you become His child by surrendering your life to Him and making Him Lord, something on the inside wants to live for Him. Wants to behave like He wants us to behave. Wants to reflect Father. Something on the inside of us changes. And the more we look to God, the more we keep our eyes on Him, that covenant of peace. Even when I blow it, I have peace. Even if my child, your child, blows it, you don't kick them out of the house and say, I'm angry with you and I rebuke you and you're no longer my child. No, you still love them. You still want them to surrender and come back and submit and do the things they need to do. That's Father's heart. That's, that's the way He is. He's perfect in all His ways. He's a good, good Father. Can he give you a spanking? Oh, absolutely. I received plenty. But it was with love. He has spoken some things to me that were full of love at the same time they hurt. Anybody ever experienced that? Okay. In Christ our sins have not been counted against us. The wrath of God's been satisfied. In the finished work. You can look at Sodom and, and Gomorrah. This was before the uh, destruction for the cross. And he was trying to redeem and save those who belong to him. So how long is long life? Psalms 91.16 says, With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. God wants you to have a long life. Let me read to you Genesis 6.3. It says, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. This is before the flood, and this took place after the flood. This was actually another judgment. This was 
actually God was not happy with man and he reduced their time. He said, it's going to be no more of this 900 year stuff. And he reduced it to 120. But it's interesting, people right after this lived much longer. It must not have been um, set in stone or uh, it, it was not the maximum because people live longer. Let me tell you, uh, some of them here. Abraham, called the father of our faith, lived to 175. Sarah, 127. Isaac, 180. Jacob, 147. Joseph, 110. Levi, 137. Moses, 120. Joshua, 110. Aaron, 123. Well, maybe God was mixed up. Didn't he know the cutoff date was 120? Boom. I believe from Scripture that since this was actually pronounced as a judgment, and it must have had some limitations because nobody, uh, when you study out the average age after that was 130, nobody was living those 900-something years. But I believe since we're redeemed from the curse, this was pronounced as a curse that actually you can live till you're satisfied. So if you want to go past 120, welcome. Any takers? Never mind. I know this is... Okay. Well, Pastor, I don't want to look like I'm 120. Well, I believe there's answers for that too. Not in this message today, though. <laughs> mm. So the question is, why are not Christians living longer? Why are we still living under the curse? Because we don't know it. We don't understand this. We don't understand it to the point we don't eat, we're not even moved to desiring it. Most people will say 120 years and they will hit you, stone you. But see, what you don't believe, you can't release faith for. What you haven't heard and received in your heart. That's the reason that it makes a difference what you're hearing. It's important what you're hearing. It's important where the family you're connected to and what they're ministering. Because you're here in a lot of pulpits, you have 70, 80 years, somebody dies and they're 80 and we'll go, oh hallelujah, at least they lived a long life to a nice old age. Let me tell you, the youngest old age I found in the Bible was 90. Pastor, I don't know. I got enough trouble as it is. Well, maybe you'll figure it out around 100. <laughs> maybe you'll figure this thing. <laughs> maybe we'll figure it out by then. <laughs> how about before then how about we start living releasing our faith now to live a satisfied life how about we start speaking some things that agree with God he calls us blessed he calls us protected it wasn't just by uh, a mishap that people were going to work on 9-11 and God just spoke to a few and said don't go to work today he was speaking to everyone. But most people were tuned out. 
Most people were tuned in to the cares of this life, to the distractions of the day, to getting this done and that done, that they were tuned down. They didn't hear God say, go get a cup of coffee today before you go to work. It was two or three. I heard testimony. The Lord said, go get coffee. Lord, I'll be late. Go get you some coffee. They thought they were going to witness to someone. They didn't know what was going. They went and enjoyed their coffee. They're late for work. They come in. There is no work. <laughs> it's gone. God protected them. Or the guy who's walking towards the Twin Tower and he hears the voice of the Lord say, turn and run. He turned and ran as the plane hit. There's protection. But we have to believe it. What if you have a bad day? What if you, you got up, your wife burnt the toast, your own dog bit you, your cat, you wake up and the cat's on your face scratching you, and you just have a horrible day. I'm getting out of this place, and you just run off, and God's saying, don't go in today, don't go in today, don't go, don't go, and I'm going in, I'm getting out of that place, you know. I can't tell you anymore, I'm going to work and getting some peace. And, and you go in, and the place blows up. If you're a believer, you still win. You got heaven. We can't lose for winning. This fight is fixed. We win. We're more than conquerors. Because we serve a God who has conquered it for us. Hallelujah. Live long and prosper. My brothers and sisters, bow your heads. Father, we thank you for your word today. And this is a day, Lord, that we realize we've got to be totally committed to you. We've got to go after you. We've got to pursue you and the things of God. And we've got to lay down the distractions. We've got to lay down the things that would cause us to take up the cares of this life or pursuing temporal things. Pursuing things they're temporal. They have no eternal value. God, we lay those things down. And we determine and commit to hear from you every day. To walk with you. To talk with you. To have that relationship with you. To dwell. To remain. To abide in you. For you are the joy of our life. You are the peace of our life. And we look to you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. This morning, if you have never accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, I want to give you an opportunity to come home, to come to him. He loves you so much. It's not based on anything that you can do. You can't earn the salvation. You don't deserve it. But it's because of his mercy. And his love for you. That he's reached down. He stretched down his right arm. He sent Jesus to this earth. To go to a cross. An old rugged cross. He died on that cross. He spilt his blood. He took your shame. He took your sin. He took your iniquities. He took your transgressions. He took your wrong thoughts. He took your wrong actions. He spilt his blood. The divine blood. 
was spilt for you. That you could have eternal life. That you could belong to Him and be His child forevermore abiding in Him. If that's you today, won't you lift up your hand, no one looking around, and say, Pastor, pray for me. Yes, see the hand. Any others? Today is the day of salvation. Don't wait. Don't put it off. There's some others that say, today my heart's been pricked. Today I've been pricked in my heart and there's some change that needs to take place in me. But today is the day of change. Today is the day that the stronghold of the enemy comes down. If that's you, lift up your hand. Yes, I see that. Any others? Yes, yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all pray this together. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus dying for me. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your love. I receive you, Jesus, as the Lord of my life. I'm committed to you, to live for you. Empower me to live for you. I surrender all. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I love you, Jesus. And I thank you for loving me. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll-free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.